Welcome to Chromosphere, the color theory podcast. My name is Ed Charbonneau. I am an artist whose main focus is on painting, and I am also an adjunct faculty member in the Fine Arts Department at the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. This podcast presents a series of conversations about color, color usage, and optics as they relate to theories of human color perception in the making of visual art and design. Today, I would like to discuss how the color of sunlight changes over the course of the year with the seasons. How sunlight, how the color of sunlight changes with the seasons, and this is going to depend on where you are in the world. I am in Minnesota, in the northern latitudes, not far from the 45th parallel. I believe we're kind of right, right at the 46th, 45th. And uh, so we have um, changing seasons, summer, fall, winter, uh, spring, and so forth. So, you know, it's snowy in the winter and, and really green in the summertime, which it is right now. We're in the end of July. And everything is like full blast, uh, growing like crazy. Although it's been really dry, and so it's not exactly as lush. But I thought I'd especially talk about this today, too, because in Minnesota here for the last couple of weeks, I think, we've been experiencing a haze from smoke uh, coming down from Canada. And I think the entire United States has been experiencing this to one degree or another, if I saw this map correctly. But today, uh, yeah, because there's forest fires in Canada, and today it's especially pronounced. There, The sky is like totally white with this haze, so no blue sky to be seen. And the the particles of the haze are are reflecting they're like it's yellow intensely yellow right now and it kind of reminds me of uh well i don't know like i'm trying to describe this on a podcast well basically this whole situation reminds me of those commercials like from the 80s i don't know if you're around back then but for blue blockers those sunglasses those crazy commercials where they were just showing people like that they met at the beach and just kind of ran into and they put these big crazy sunglasses on there's like and the the basic commercial was watching this person go oh wow oh hey wow that's and each person kind of had the same reaction like this oh because i get well i actually got a pair of these sunglasses um i don't know where they are right now but uh, they block the blue light coming in, and so you're left with this like really super like amber yellow tint that you're seeing the the world through. And we're sitting in a in a version of that right now. I don't know if it's quite as distinct as the blue blockers, but it's super yellow, and it's it's actually rather disorienting. Um, so that said, I thought that I'd go over this thing that I that in many ways like totally that like spurred this project that I've been working on this uh, podcast and the research that went into it. And that is to say that over the years, I've noticed a distinct change in the color of the sunlight between the summertime 
and then going into the fall. So it's more orange right now. The yellow sunlight is more orange in Minnesota. And as we go into the fall, it's going to shift towards until we get to the winter, the color of the sunlight will shift more towards green. It'll become more cool. So from yellow to cool. And like I said, I probably first noticed this 20 years ago. I don't know. And so it was just something that I always kind of thought of as an artist and a painter and thinking about um, the world around me. And um, But taking on this project, like I said, it was really one of the first things that I set out to try and figure out, like, why is that actually happening? What does that have to do? Does it have to do with the tilt of the earth and how we go around the sun? Does it have to do with the color of the sky and all these different things. And actually it led me to, in order to understand this, I had to learn like what rods and cones were and what a retina was and what some of these different like trichromatic color, if you've been listening to this blog or blog uh, podcast. Um, and so that set, you know, basically down this rabbit hole of trying to figure out what's going on. And so I'm going to attempt to walk through how this phenomena occurs as I understand it. Mainly, uh, I found this great study uh, done in 2016 by a scientist named Lauren Welburn that uh, shed a lot of light on what this effect is and how it's possible. So that's my goal for today. How perception, how perception itself how perception shifts the color of sunlight with the changing of the seasons. So, perception, and specifically our perception of what is called a color named unique yellow. So what is unique yellow? Unique yellow is one of four archetypal colors that they represent the opponent pairs of yellow and blue and green and red, and in and of themselves, so a green something that is pure red possesses no hint of green or blue or yellow so the unique colors possess no trace of each other and these colors cannot be observed in nature they can be reproduced in a lab uh, the reason they can't be seen in the landscape is because of simultaneous contrast and chevrol's uh, uh, rule of simultaneous contrast, where the colors that are around each other influence the perception of one another. So you can never truly see a pure, pure, pure red that has absolutely no trace of, of yellow or, or green in it, or blue, or a combination thereof. But you can do it in a laboratory in a dark room projecting light. In this study, they talk about, Welburn talks about taking people, if I'm summarizing it correctly, they asked a group of people to dial in an exact, like a pure yellow, a unique yellow, a, a color that, that held no trace of red, green, or uh, blue. And they did this at different times of the year, and they found that the color that the person, the, in groups of people, that that color changed throughout the course of the year. It wasn't always the same yellow that they dialed in. Yet, most of the people in the study would dial in the same yellow color every time between them. So the, the same changing yellow. And so it's theorized that among 
large populations, so groups of people in a certain part of the planet, large areas within the landscape, that our perception of what we think yellow looks like changes as the environment changes. So right now in Minnesota, it's like very green and lush and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of green around me. So my concept of yellow, it's thought, is shifting towards green. So yellow become my, my idea of what a pure archetypal yellow is in my mind is more green now. And as the landscape becomes more neutral, like in the fall, things start turning brown and then gray, and then eventually there's snow all over the place, so everything is basically shades of gray. That at that point, my perception of yellow, the unique yellow, will shift more towards orange. So if I didn't say it before, my observation has been over the years that the color of the sunlight appears to be more yellow, or more orange, orange-yellow in the summer, and more green-yellow or green cooler yellow in the in the winter so then i just described how unique yellow is shifting according to wilburn's findings and predicting the exact opposite that in the summertime months yellow was being perceived unique yellow is being perceived as more of a greenish tinge and in the winter time more of an orangish tinge well what's going on there i think to be able to counter this thing is as my mind's idea of what yellow looks like changes, the cones in my eyes compensate to make up for the change, to balance my color vision, to be a constant. And so if my mind is seeing yellow as more green, my red cone cells are becoming more active and actually perceiving more red pouring what I see as yellow more towards the orange because there's more red cone activity. Because if you remember, our perception of yellow is due to combinations and ratios of green and red cones vibrating and sending signals to our minds that we're seeing yellow. And so in the wintertime, when the landscape is stark and neutral, my perception of unique yellow shifts more towards orange, and therefore the opposite happens, where the green cone cells in my eyes uh, kick their activity up. They, they, well, it's it's framed as having a gain, like a gain. There is a gain in the millions of green cones and their activity in order to produce the sensation of the color yellow in my mind. And there's a red gain during the summer. And so uh, then one of the other things that kind of goes hand in hand with this is if the color of the light source is shifting, the color of the shadows cast by objects are shifting as well because they're linked inextricably to the light source and a couple of other factors. So thinking about shadows, cast shadows, and like the incidental shadow sides of objects when we're outdoors in the environment, there's a couple of factors at play in what colors are imbuing those, um, those areas. One factor is the color of the actual sky. 
due to Raleigh scattering, Rayleigh scattering, which is the term for how blue and violet wavelengths are scattered by the atmosphere, and hence we perceive the color of the sky as blue. That blue sky actually acts as like a light source itself, and it's responsible for, uh, from what I understand, approximately 6% of illumination all around, right? So if we have the sun, it's the main illuminant. It's, it's lighting things up, and then there's shadows. Well, the sky is all around, so the sky is reflecting a small amount of light into those shadows, which is one reason why you know, you'll never really see shadows as like black holes or voids when you're on planet Earth uh, when it's daytime because the sky is illuminating uh, the, under, the backside of the shadows as well as light bounces off of other objects. That's kind of another story. But sticking with our shadow kind of thing in terms of the color of the sunlight and the color of the shadow. And so typically shadows are thought of as being blue. Part of that blueness is, is coming from the blue of the sky, if it's like a bright blue, sunny sky. Other factors from the winter months to the summer months here in Minnesota, like I said, we're at the like 46th parallel, I think. And, and so we're up there in kind of the middle area above the, between the equator and the North Pole. And so as we're going around the Earth, the tilt of the Earth, which I believe is 23.4%, we're facing away from the sun more. Uh, or let's say the sun is hitting the surface of, of the planet in the northern hemisphere at a more oblique angle during the wintertime than it is in the summertime. And I think we're actually closer to the sun during the winter and further from the sun in the summertime, which always seemed a little opposite to me. But so therefore, when the sun, when the earth comes around, or does the sun go around the earth? I forget. Okay. Back. All right. Stay on track. This is already complicated enough without some crazy. Okay. So when we're, when it's the summertime, the northern uh, hemisphere is more, the sun is more perpendicularly hitting the atmosphere. And so therefore, the sunlight is going through less atmosphere in the summertime, in the spring and summer and early fall. Then in the winter, closer to the solstice, it, the sun is traveling through much more atmosphere. And what, is, what happens then is this term called bulk attenuation or light attenuation. And that stands for or represents this idea that uh, light wavelengths are being attenuated out or, or stripped out of the uh, the available light, the incidental light that's actually making it to the surface of the Earth. And it tends to strip out more of the short wavelengths, which once again is why we see the color of the sky as blue. But in there is violet as well. So it's, it's attenuating more violet wavelengths in the uh, wintertime than it is during the summertime. And this, uh, this has somewhat of an effect on if you look at like white, freshly fallen snow in the in the winter you'll notice if you're if you're like me if your vision is like mine that the light the sunlight will appear to be distinctly a stark yellow kind of a cool yellow and the shadow will take on the appearance of like a violet or sometimes even like a purple but it's it's blue but it's it's very violety 
And so part of that reason that that violet is reading into it, especially if it's a bright sunny day, this is noticeable, so hence a bright blue sky, there's a lot of violet wavelengths that are being attenuated out of the sky, out of the the incidental light, and they're making it into that shadow side. They're illuminating that shadow just a little bit. And I'm, I'm talking, this is subtle, you know. And in the wintertime, or in the summer, that light is, the color of the sky is more of a true blue. So then another factor that's happening is in terms of like simultaneous contrast, which if you go back to previous episodes, is is about the notion that complementary colors have an effect on effectively canceling each other out or augmenting themselves. So when the sunlight in the summer has a more orange appearance, it's a yellow-orange, that orange is the complement of the blue that's in the shadow. So the orange of the sunlight is weakening our perception of orange overall because the red cones that are responsible for the perception of the orange along with the green cones, but there's more red cones, they're getting more tired and they're losing strength. And so therefore the orange dissipates from our perception, leaving the blue wavelengths within the shadow to be more pronounced and noticeable. So you'll, you'll notice like looking at like a sidewalk or something. So it's easiest to perceive this if you're looking at something neutral. So like a concrete sidewalk and, and a cast shadow, the, the sunlight to me appears to be more of an orangish yellow and the shadow more distinctly blue as opposed to like a blue green or a blue violet. Now this is happening on uh, neutral objects, it's the easiest to see it, but that also means it's happening on every object. And so the the green uh, leaves that I'm painting or something, or, you know, they got shadows, or the brown trees, or actually I got a question about brown trees. How many trees are actually brown? Aren't most of them kind of just like gray, the trunks? I wonder why, I wonder why as a kid I instinctively grabbed the brown crayon to draw a tree and not the gray crayon because I'm looking out my window right now well everything is yellow so I don't know it's messed up anyway that's a topic for another thing and maybe that's getting me close to the end of this uh, hopefully that makes sense and then going back to this haze that's coming out here there is more that I want to talk about with this color theory project uh, because the more I'm studying this, the more I am becoming aware of how co human color vision is tied to our environment. And there's a great quote by a guy named Mike Webster that I picked up. And it goes, quote, It is evident that color vision evolved to inform organisms about their environment and thus must be shaped by the environment the, the organism is in. <laughs> All right, I almost made it through that without messing it up. So vision, our vision is shaped by our environment, and it is constantly adjusting to the available light and the environment. And so one looming question that I don't like the idea of, that I'll be talking about more in other podcasts nonetheless, 
is this idea that if if the environment shapes our color vision on a continuous basis, will climate change fundamentally alter human color perception? I think the answer is yes. We'll explore that together, maybe. Okay, well, thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with your friends and family who may be interested, and follow Chromosphere, the Color Theory Podcast, on Facebook and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you if you have comments or suggestions. I'd like to thank Jeremy Shapinsky for writing and performing the theme music. Thank you also to Grant Winkles, Susie Manili, and Jeremy Shapinsky again for their production, consulting, and editing.